the dream of a mission to reach the world with the gospel. When I speak of dreams, I'm talking about the hopes, the goals, the aspirations and visions of one's innermost desires. Joseph, the dreamer in our story, is a type of Christ. He is rejected by his brethren. He is falsely accused. He's delivered to prison and he's left for dead and he becomes the savior of his known world concerning the famine. Webster defines a dream like this, a strongly desired goal or purpose. The first mission agency that I was with was Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples out of Jacksonville, Florida. Dr. Garland Powell was president and founder of that board. Dr. Garland Powell became my hero and my cheerleader, all wrapped up into one. I adored Dr. Garland Powell. As he was getting older, he kept saying to me, Brother Walter, when I pass, I want you to preach my memorial. And I thought to myself, this is just the ramblings of an old man because there are men who are more qualified to preach Dr. Powell's memorial. But when I found out he was serious, I said, listen, Doc, I'm not the only guy who knows that. No, you need to tell somebody else, like your wife and your pastor and others. I can't just show up and say, hey, I'm here to preach the memorial. And so he began to tell his pastor, of course, was Tom Messer, and began to tell the current uh, president of the board. And so several years ago, Dr. Powell passed away, and I was, my wife and I were brought from Hungary to Jacksonville to preach his memorial. Jack, Dr. Powell was a visionary. Matter of fact, his visions and his dreams would marginalize fanaticism. That's how much of a dreamer he was. He was an innovator. Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples was one of the first mission agencies to reach out into the pocket peoples of the world. Dr. Paul's vision was that on our way to the major mission fields of the world, we bypass these pockets of people. You talk about the great ethnic populations here in America. When you talk about greater Atlanta area has over one million Hispanics. That's a mission field right in our back door. And of course, many, many. You want to reach Hungarians? The second largest Hungarian population is in Cleveland, Ohio. Second population in the world. And the list goes on and on. But he also had a vision about reaching social pockets of people. These were street people, runaways, throwaways, drug addicts, uh, prostitutes, uh, all different classes of people. And then he had a vision of reaching professional pockets. And the professional pocket of, pe of people was predominantly American military. And Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples has greatly used the God to establish churches in foreign fields where there are American military personnel. And his dream was realized. Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream for his people. He is quoted as saying, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't think Dr. King would ever realize that one day there would be an African-American president of the United States. And then there's my dream, the dream of Walter Stevens. I take that dream from the verse that I used in the video. Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Would the Apostle Paul ever lie to us? Think about that just for a minute. But he says in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. He says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. In other words, what I'm about to tell you, he's saying, is almost unbelievable. Verse 2 says, he said that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow. Some of us carry burdens. But the Apostle Paul's burden was a great heaviness and a continual sorrow. 
You say, Brother Stevens, what was the, the thing that was unbelievable that the Apostle Paul was about to say? Then he says it in verse 3. It's my drive, it's my passion to reach my people with the gospel. He says, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. You say, what's so unbelievable about that, Brother Stevens? The Apostle Paul is saying here that he'd be willing to spend an eternity in hell to see his Jewish brethren come to Christ. And you say, well, didn't the Apostle Paul believe in one saved, always saved? Of course he believed in one saved, always saved. What he's saying here is, if I could, I would. Now, I must confess to you that I have not graduated to that level of missionary. <laughs> Though I have a passion for my people, I have a dream of reaching my people with the gospel, I wouldn't give up my eternity with Jesus for anyone. The dream that was once called America. And don't forget, I'm a patriot. I love this nation. For many, the American dream has become the American nightmare. But we hear, we hear these words, we hold these truths, to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think some would think that in the Declaration of Independence that happiness is guaranteed. It's the pursuit of happiness. That's the liberties we have in our society. I believe there's hope for America, and I believe there's hope for America because of churches like this. The dream I'm talking about today is the dream, the vision, and the hope of worldwide evangelism, reaching the world with the gospel. This is none other than the dream, hope, and vision of God himself. For 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, word, watch now, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The desire of God, the dream of God. You want to know the mind of God? Here's the heart of God. He wants all men everywhere to be saved. Thank you, Pastor, and I got an amen someplace over here. God is the source of the dream of the salvation of the souls of mankind. Throughout Scripture, there have been many dreamers. We focus in on this man called Joseph, who becomes one of the most famous dreamers of Scriptures. But Christ finished his redemptive work of the cross so that the dream can be fulfilled. One of the last statements of Christ on the cross says, it is finished. In other words, everything is in place so that the dream can be realized. Everything is in place. There's nothing that needs to be done. We have at our, at our disposal the resources that we need in order to reach the world with the gospel. The funds for missions giving is here. We just need to get it out of your pocket into the offerings of the church. I saw this definition of ministry not too long ago, preacher. Ministry is divine resources meeting human need. You hear that, church? Let that sink in just for a minute. Maybe you want to write it down. Ministry, the definition of ministry is divine resources meeting human need. You know what the preacher knows? The preacher knows where the divine resources come from. We know about the love of God. We know about the call to salvation. We know that God wants to bestow grace and mercy and forgiveness on every sinner. We know what's available, that divine resource. But we also know the human need. 
We know about the lost sinners. We know those that if they die, they would spend an eternity. Watch now, here's the preacher's responsibility. Here's the missionary's responsibility. This is what you're investing in at $100 a month, plus your prayers for Brazil, that our dear brother and our dear sister will go to Brazil and they'll bring down divine resources to meet human need. They know where to get it and they know where to send it. The problem is it's not always received. Help me. You got four Sundays, four mission Sundays. The goal is to make sure that the divine resources will meet the human need of missions and evangelism. That's the goal of this conference. God has placed us in the church to be facilitators of his dream. God has placed us in the church to be fulfillers of his hopes and his visions of the lost being saved. But there are a variety of responses to this dream by the members of the body of Christ. And I see four of them in our story of Joseph. And I want to go over those four responses. Number one, there is the dream caster. Those who cast the dream. The Bible says in verse 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream. He cast the dream. Later in the life of Joseph, we know that Pharaoh becomes a caster of the dream. Today in the church, it's local church leadership who casts the dream of missions and worldwide evangelism. I won't take you to Acts chapter 16, but you're familiar with that passage of Scripture because there's a preacher there who has the gospel message bursting within his chest. If he doesn't preach, he'll die. And he set sail with a group of men for Asia, but the Spirit suffers him not. He then set sail for Bithynia, but against the, again, the Holy Spirit intervenes and tells him no. And somewhere snuggled in those verses, though we don't read it, I believe that there's a missionary on his face before God, and here's what he's praying. God, if it's not Asia, if it's not Bithynia, then where do you want me to go? God is faithful to the missionary. He's faithful to the preacher, and he gives the revelation of the Macedonian. And the Macedonian says, come over into Macedonia and help us. And on that ship, the Apostle Paul casts the vision of reaching Macedonia with the gospel. Only the Apostle Paul could describe the Macedonian to you. Only the Apostle Paul could tell you the color of his hair, the quiver in his voice, or the tear in his eye. Only Paul. But there was a group of men on that ship, watch now, that the Apostle Paul cast the vision to. He cast the vision. Now, you know, most independent Baptists, if we have a pastor says we're going to go here and then he changes his mind and then he says we're going to go here and he changes his mind, about that time we're ready to jump ship. Hello. But you see, these men knew who the Apostle Paul was. They knew about the call upon his life in Acts chapter 9 that he was going to reach Jews and Gentiles and kings. And God had used him in a great way. There has to be a visionary, someone who casts a dream. I have a philosophy that I live by. When you can't see, hang on to somebody who can see until you get your vision. Hello? When you can't see, and you may not be able to see, maybe you don't see Brazil. Maybe you don't see reaching the gypsies. Maybe you don't see all the other missionary fields that will be presented from this platform this month. But there's a dream caster. Your pastor is casting a dream. He's telling you, let's go. Where's this church that you want to help? In South Carolina, North Carolina? North Carolina. He's casting a dream. You, you may not know this man. You may not know the community. He's expressed to us the need that he wants to get tracks and all that it takes. And he needs 25,000. You know what he's doing? He's casting a dream. And you may not see it, but you know what? 
hold on to the one who can see until you can see it. As a young Christian, I wasn't always back here, by the way. I used to sit out there, too. And I had a pastor who would get behind the pulpit and say, we need to go to Park Lane. We need to go to Medway. We need to go to New Carlisle. And I'd say, preacher, I don't care about Park Lane. I don't care about New Carlisle. I don't care about Medway. But preacher, I care about you. And if you tell me I need to cast my net, then I'm going to cast my net. You know what I was doing? I was holding on to the one who could see until my eyes were opened. And you know when my eyes got open? When I started going to Park Lane, Medway, and New Carlisle. And seeing the needs of human need. And me having divine resources to share with them. There needs to be a dream caster, someone who casts the dream. Today in the church, it's local church leadership who casts the dreams of missions and world evangelism. The purpose of the revelation in Joseph's day and to now is always the same. It is for the benefit to save other people. In Genesis chapter 50, in verse 20, when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, here's what he says. They're afraid now that he's going to get revenge. But he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring to pass as it is today to save much people alive. It's always about saving. Amen. The dream, if the dream doesn't accomplish the salvation in some way or another, some saving form, then it's not a true dream. And the dream of going into all the world and preaching the gospel is the dream of God himself, and we need to catch that dream. Amen. The dream of visions will be cast this month. Number one, there needs to be a dream caster. Then it goes without saying, if there's a dream caster, there needs to be a dream catcher. Hello. In our story, it was the butler who caught the dream first, if we were to read on. Usually the dream is caught by one person. Eventually it was Pharaoh, eventually all of Egypt, and then all of the world. Dream casters can become dream catchers too like Pharaoh. Lastly, it was even the family of Joseph himself. When Paul saw the vision of the Macedonian on that ship, there were present on that ship a, a group of dream catchers who knew the Apostle Paul. Now watch what Dr. Luke says when, dream, when Paul tells about the vision of the Macedonian. He says it this way. After he had seen the vision, it's a singular vision, only Paul saw it. After he had seen the vision, watch now, as Dr. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pens these words. After he had seen the vision, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. The singular became plural. Why? Because Dr. Luke, Timothy, and others that were on that ship, they caught the dream that the Apostle Paul was casting. Do you realize that, the, that Paul going into Macedonia is the first time that the gospel is going into Europe? You know that, right? And do you realize that the gospel came to this nation from Europe? Do you realize that much of the New Testament is written to the churches of Europe? Do you realize that grace giving or faith promise giving comes from the churches of Macedonia? That's the great work of God as we see him working in those who cast and those who catch. The dream of Dr. Roy Thompson, who started Cleveland Baptist Church, his pastor, 
And I'll tell you privately later who his pastor was, a very famous preacher from Ohio. And his pastor told Dr. Thompson, a church in Cleveland, Ohio will not work. Well, we're about a half a century down the road, and it's working big time. Dr. Roy Thompson would say in his testimony, and he was my pastor for seven years. And that's where we started our first gypsy ministry. He would say when God saved Roy Thompson, he didn't get a whole lot. Him and his mother lived in a car in Dayton, Ohio. He was a drunkard as a young man. He lied using his brother's identification to get into the military. But one day God got a hold of Dr. Roy Thompson. He established the Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. The first family he began working with was the Folger family. He, they met in the Folger family home. And some of the first to get saved was uh, Bob Folger's dad, and then Bob Folger, and then Kevin Folger. And Kevin Folger became the pastor of Cleveland Baptist Church. Watch now. Dr. Roy Thompson is the dream caster. Kevin Folger is the dream catcher. And now Pete Folger is the pastor of Cleveland Baptist Church. That's the bada bing and the bada bang of missions, folks. Because there are those who are casting dreams and those who are catching dreams. The dreams of Walter Stevens was caught by Lawrence Evans, who took over the Cleveland work, then Gitsa Fekata in Romania, now Nick Ivanovich, who now pastors the work in Cleveland, Ohio, and on and on and on the list goes of I cast the dream. There needs to be, number one, a dream catcher, a dream caster. Number two, there needs to be a dream catcher. And number three, I wish this point wasn't in the message, but it's in our story. It's sad to say they're dream corruptors. Those that will corrupt the dream of somebody else. Maybe it's a mom and dad who are corrupting the dream of their son or daughter. Or a grandma or grandpa who are corrupting the dream of their grandchildren who feel that there's a call of God upon their life. And I know what mom and dads and grandpas and my grandpas might want to say. I want my children and grandchildren to be safe. I got news for you, church. The safest place for your children and grandchildren is in the perfect center of God's will. That's the safest place to be. I'm not talking about creating a call. I'm not talking about a man-made call. I'm not talking about a dad-made call. I'm talking about a God-made call. If God has called your children, what you need to do, and by the way, those children aren't yours. The Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. He's lent them to you to raise on his behalf. And we should be bringing our children to the altar saying, God, we're taking our hands off. If you're calling Johnny, if you're calling Susie, we're moving out of the way. Do what you want with the kids that you've entrusted to us. But there are those who will corrupt the dream. In our text, it was Joseph's brothers. They hated the dreamer and they hated his dreams. Verse 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. I believe there are several reasons why there are those who will try to corrupt someone's dream. Here's just a short list, a few of them. Number one, they're jealous of the dreamer, usually because the dream didn't originate with them. Number two, they, the dream didn't originate with them. Number three, if the dream comes to pass, they will not be able to take any credit or glory for it. Number four, they have too much pride to humble themselves before the dreamer. That was Jacob's problem, remember? He rebuked Joseph because of the dream. Help me. To follow the dream will cost them something, watch church, that they are not willing to pay or give. And number six, they just don't care. And that's why they'll corrupt someone's dream. 
The main culprit of corrupting dreams is none other than Satan himself. He's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He will try to destroy your dream from you. He will try to take your dream. He'll try to kill the dreamer or someone close to the dreamer. He will try to destroy your dream. But I got news for you, church. Dream on and dream big for the glory of God. Young men, young women, dream on for Christ. Christ could use you in a great way. You may feel like you don't have what it takes. That's okay. I'm a living testimony. Sixth grade education, former carny, Catholic gypsy, doesn't look real good on the resume of a missionary. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and I'll be the first to raise my hand. Dream on. Dream big. It was William Carey who is quoted as, expect, uh, quoted as saying, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. It is sad to say that there are dream corruptors in the church. And that brings me to my last point, and really the point that I want to park at just a little bit. Number one, we said there needs to be a dream caster. Joseph in our story, those who are visionaries casting the dream here, dream catchers, those who catch the dream, and sad to say there are dream corruptors. But lastly, there needs to be a dream carrier. There needs to be someone who carries on the dream into the future or the promised land, if you will. The hope of the dreamer and his dream has to be carried on into the future. The true dreamer, the true dreamer, the true visionary will dream until his last breath when Joseph was dying. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith Joseph, when he died, or while he was dying, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, watch now, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now you have to realize Joseph is a prophet. He knows that the, the Jewish people will be redeemed out of Israel, They'll, out of Egypt. They'll be delivered. And here's what he's saying. I'm the dreamer. I have the dream. It's my dream. It originated with me. I cast the dream. Don't leave me here. Carry the dreamer and his dream into the future, into the promised land. The coffin or the tomb of the dreamer becomes a symbol of hope. The coffin of Joseph was a symbol of hope to the Jews in Genesis chapter 50 Verses 25 and 26, once again, we see this promise that Joseph made the children of Israel to, to make. And Joseph took an oath. He's making them promise him. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, so God will surely visit you. We write it in Hebrews. Now this is the Old Testament version of it. And, and, the children of, and, and God will surely visit you. Watch now. And you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The translation of the word coffin in this passage of Scripture is only used one time in this fashion. Throughout the Bible, usually the word coffin means the ark or the tomb of, of um, uh, the ark of the covenant. Uh, here it means, uh, and it's only used once, it describes a treasure chest. And what it means is that the tomb of Joseph becomes a place of a treasure. That placed in there is more than just a man. Placed in that coffin is a dream. 
the dream of the Jewish people, and someone has to carry on the dream of the dreamer and the hope of God to save the multitudes and of Joseph's dream and, the, and of the promised land. When we see the fulfillment of the oath that was made to Joseph in Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. Now you know what's going on in Exodus. This is the night that the death angel is killing everything that is of the firstborn. We know the story, right? And God tells the Jewish people to place the blood of the lamb upon the head and the doorpost of their homes. And when the death angel comes, he will what? Passover. It's where we get the Jewish holiday Passover. Now watch, Exodus 13, 19, pay close attention. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Now I'm going to stop there just for a minute. You have to consider what's going on this night. This is a busy night. They're packing up. Matter of fact, it's such a busy night, they don't have time to put leaven in the bread to watch it to rise. Hello? And so they're, they're packing, they're moving, they're spoiling the Egyptians of gold and silver and precious things. Death is all around them. And Mo I, I don't know, did he have a list? Did Moses have a list? Check it. Oh, Joseph's bones. We got to get Joseph's bones. I don't know. Now, I don't believe Joseph had just a normal burial. I believe Joseph lived the life of an Egyptian. Did his brothers recognize him when they saw him? No, because he looked and lived and acted like an Egyptian. And I believe that he was buried in the sarcophagus, an elaborate sarcophagus. So here's Moses getting this elaborate Egyptian sarcophagus, and he's carrying the bones of Joseph. Why? Because a promise was made by the dreamer. Don't leave me here. Don't leave the dream here. I'm the dreamer. The dream is with me. It's not just my bones. It's the dream of the bones. Take it with you. There have been dreamers who have cast dreams throughout the history of the church, and we've carried those dreams on to see where missions is today, to see the program of missions and missions agencies and people being reached with the gospel. Someone has to carry the hope of the dreamer into the future. People say, Brother Stevens, how old are you? Well, I'm 64 in years, but I'm 80 in mileage. And I've been around the block a couple times, preacher. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got some good years left ahead of me. But someone's got to carry on this dream. Hello. Someone's got to carry it on. Praise God for your pastors carrying on the dream that was cast here. May God give him a long and healthy life, but eventually someone's going to have to step up to the plate and carry on this dream until Jesus comes. Are we all on the same page here? Here's the rest of the verse, Exodus 13, 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel. I mean, he's serious about this promise. Help me, church. Is Joseph serious about them making a promise to him? Huh? God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Three times in the Bible it's mentioned, we're reminded of the promise that Joseph made the children of Israel. You see, there needs to be someone that carries the hope of the dreamer into the future. Christ's dream and vision of spreading the gospel. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures, but he gave us the commandment to take the gospel into the regions beyond the gospels, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Someone's got to take that message into the future. Dreamer's tomb is clearly marked for future dreamers.
Joshua 24. Where are we now? We're in the promised land. What's Joshua? He was a dream catcher. Who did he catch it from? Oh, class. He caught it from Moses. Moses cast the dream. Joshua caught the dream. Now he's casting a dream, and now he's carrying the dream. Joshua chapter 24. They're in the promised land. They're in the future. And the bones of Joseph. That's Joshua 24, 32. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt. This is the fourth time we're reading about these bones. you think it's serious? Help me, church. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is the fourth time. Does God want us to get a point here? It's not just put there to be have cute little verses that we can read about these bones of Joseph. They're there for a purpose. Genesis 24, uh, Joshua 24, 32. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob brought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. Watch now. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Watch now. The dreamer's tomb is clearly marked for future dreamers. The dreamer's tomb is clearly marked for future dreamers. And what does the tomb say? It can be done. The dream can be fulfilled. The dream can be realized. We can accomplish the dream and vision of God of reaching the world with the gospel. We need some dream carriers today. We need those who will flood our altars and say, God, I want to carry the dream into the future. I want to carry the dream of worldwide evangelism into the future. Some would say, Brother Stevens, I don't have what it takes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, I'm going to finish here. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Watch closely. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of horrors. Did you ever hear that song that says, when others see a shepherd boy, some may see a king? Hello. When others see a shepherd boy, some may see a king. You have a dream? Superior preacher, I don't have it. Let me just list a few people today who were thought not to have it for whatever their specialty was, but became very successful. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the greatest basketball player of time, was cut from his high school basketball team. Albert, Albert, Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old and his teacher said he wouldn't amount to much. That's Albert Einstein. Walt Disney was fired from the newspaper where he was working and the accusation was he lacked an imagination and original ideas. I guess they didn't like that little black and white mouse he was drawing all the time. <laughs> Dr. Seuss's first book was rejected by 27 publishers. Abraham Lincoln failed in business had a nervous breakdown and was defeated in eight elections before he became president of the United States of America. One day, little Tommy Edison came home from school. His teacher had sent with him a little folded note and said, Tommy, make sure your mama gets this note. 
When Tommy got home to Mama, he said, Mama, the teacher told me to make sure that you get this note. Looking up to Mama, Mrs. Edison opened the note, began to read it to herself, tears flowing down her eyes, folded the note and put it back in her apron pocket. And little Tommy said, Mommy, what did the note say? And Mrs. Edison said to little Tommy, she said, Tommy, your teacher says you're too smart and they're not wise enough to teach you. And they want me to keep you at home and for me to teach you personally. And that's what Mrs. Edison did. She taught Thomas Edison at home. As Thomas and Edison grew up and became an adult man in his senior years, maybe 80 years old, he was cleaning out an old family desk. Back in the corner of the desk drawer, he found that little note that had been there for decades. He opened it, and it didn't say what Mrs. Edison had told him it said. The note said, Mrs. Edison, your son Thomas is addled, meaning he's not all there. We don't want him in this school. Keep him at home. Little Tommy Edison, of course, we know, grew up to be the greatest inventor of all time. Can God use you? He can use anyone. Because he's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. That we would make ourselves available to him. Maybe tonight you'll come to this altar and present yourself to the Lord and say, God, here am I. Use me.